as well. So where does traditional hōjōndo, especially I'm thinking makiwara, uh, nigirigami, all of those sort of things, where do those figure into your training and what's your impression of them? Okay. Um, really, really important, I believe. Um, and very much linked to, to the modern-day weights. You know, you, 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 you've got your chishi, and then you've got your, your kettlebells. Not quite the same, but a lot of similarities. Um, I do, again, believe that we need to have some understanding around the, the mechanisms of the body. Because if we bring that into our dojo with little to no knowledge, and I have to admit, um, way back then, that was me, little to no knowledge. Here we go. Let's train. Um, I sincerely hope that my teaching did not create problems in later life for the students that I taught back then. But since then, um, I have tried to educate myself better to better understand what the body does and what muscles we need to engage. And this core engagement is, is absolutely crucial. And I don't, I'm not too sure that people really understand what core engagement means. It's the correct breathing. It's the, it's not, because um, I, I see a lot of my students when I try and do the core engagement is to try and tighten their stomach muscles. They do this collapse in and I explained to them, well, no, you've just collapsed your muscles. There's, you know, there's no tension through that. Um, sunshine cutter is invaluable. Um, if we really go back to studying how it was originally designed and the, well, what I believe it was designed and the purpose of it, that incredible engagement, I think, is what you need before you do any hojondo. Because if you jump into the hojo undo and you've got this arched back and you don't have any engagement through your lats and everything, and now you start going, something is going to go wrong. Um, and maybe not necessarily there and then, but later on in life. So this whole being aware of your body and your muscles and your breathing and your tension and the correct posture with the shoulders down and slightly pulled back, but not hyperextended back, um, the not locked joints, all that sort of thing, you know, the, the 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 correct neck posture, just everything is so important. So I believe you need to train that first. Now, I do not bring in Hojo into my dojo until much later on. We start with karate, the basic punches, engaging, breathing. Eventually, we move that into Sanchenkata. And I teach Sanchenkata from... from little ones and sort of from the beginning really um they haven't been doing it very long and i introduce it obviously they're not going to be able to understand that at all but if you just think of the benefits of the breathing so just the the basic movement and the breathing that goes with that that in itself they can start to develop then they can start to develop the correct time to tense um their muscles and I then discuss the anatomy and I, I get students up and I turn, they're used to me and they all laugh at me and everything. And I turn them around and we talk about the muscles in their body and I prod and poke them as I'm doing this. And of course, little kids think it's hysterically funny, but they're learning at the same time. And then we start to become more and more aware of what our body can do and what we need to do to maximize 
our body so that we can look after it and of course have the strength that we're we're trying to achieve yeah I was listening to a podcast this morning and they were talking about um, the difference between uh, these two gentlemen were very, very successful torn-on practitioners in Kata and Kumite and they're talking about old man's karate. And they kind of gave this analogy, well, not analogy, they kind of gave a description of old man's karate and I'm going, well, they've just described my karate to a T. Um, and, <laughs> and it's interesting, you know, you're talking about longevity. I think I've seen some practitioners that really have found a way to use modern training methods and I'm thinking of resistance training and flexibility mm. and using bands I'm up one yep. who jumps springs to mind is Laura Ren sensei uh, um, who's up there in California and her own training um, very strong Shotokan practitioner um, Aikido practitioner um, and when I was in Canada um, a couple of months back at a seminar, we had an opportunity to do car care together and, and just that you could just feel the core integration, you know, you can really yeah. feel that in that initial kind of context. So I, I'm very much a, um, very much a, a believer in that. If you could rewind and you could go and speak to that, let's say uh, Chiketri Shihan, just then Penny, uh, a year into her training, what would the conversation that you would be having? I'm imagining living in another country, being a Shihan, being a teacher, having your own dojo, perhaps was not sort of first and foremost in your in your plan at that age. What sort of conversation would you have with the with the 15 year old year year into the dojo, uh, Penny Chiketri? Gosh, the 15 year old me was very into superheroes. <laughs> Actually, hang on a second. Da-da. I mean, yeah, so oh, maybe not just the 15-year-old. Batman, yes! My... <laughs> so I think the 15-year-old me was hoping to be, um, I guess, the world champion would have probably been my attitude. I want to be world champion, and I want to be doing flying kicks and backflips and everything that, um, yeah. <laughs> It's not really the, the, the realistic part of me. Um, the 15-year-old me, I don't think it even realized that I was going to be a school teacher one day. Um, so, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think the 15-year-old me would be looking at the me now going, what, really? Seriously? <laughs> Is that where I ended up? Um, however, I love where I've ended up. Um, so for, for me... You know, I've been a very, very fortunate person in that I managed to choose a career path and a passion. I'm not going to say sport because karate is so much more than that, as we know. Um, so a career path and a passion that I absolutely love. I love being a school teacher and I live and breathe martial arts. I'm one of those people who wake up every morning and don't think, oh, another day of work. Sometimes I do wake up and think, oh, does it have to start this early? But <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm one of those very, very fortunate people that have absolutely loved what I've been doing um, the majority of my life. So kind of conversely, the other side of that question is, now where you are in terms of your training, 
as a, as a as you know, some would describe you as a senior instructor with um, many decades under your belt. When you look at karate, irrespective of style, hmm. what is it that you're looking for? What is it that kind of goes, that's good karate? Now. If you're watching someone hmm. say do kata, what are the things that you look at and go, that's good karate, or that, that's someone's trained that person really well? Kia welcome to the Invisible Sensei podcast. My name is Tuari Dawson and for the last four and a half decades I have practiced the martial arts in both the indigenous Maori traditions of Aotearoa, my home, and in the wonderful arts of karate, kobudo and jiu-jitsu. But more than that, I am a fan of all martial arts and martial artists. So here are some of my own thoughts on the subject, as well as interviews with some great sensei and instructors from around the world. And lastly, it's something of a cliche I know, but do me a favour and click the link in the description for our merch shop, as well as other ways to support the podcast. It really does help. Also, check out our YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you like what you hear, please share our content. Again, it really helps us to continue to create content we believe in. And remember, it's not what you say when everyone's listening, it's what you practice when no one is watching that makes all the difference. Yeah. Um, it is the understanding of the technique which you can see in the kata. There are some people who will perform kata and it's it's like, wow, that is just beautiful. It's crisp, it's sharp, it's athletic, it's low stances, it's fast, it's but there's no depth. There's, well, hard to say no depth. There's not much depth. There's not much understanding. Um, you can see by the um, the engagement of the entire body, the understanding of, of the movements, um, by the, the, the sheer, sheer spirit and the look on their face when they're performing that kata. Um, the understanding of of the timing, um, the the positioning of the body. There's just so much, and um, it's got nothing to do with a very low stance. Um, sure, we do need a good solid base, absolutely. But you 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 know, as you get older, your stances cannot get down there, <laughs> and it doesn't make sense for them to be that. Yeah, hello. <laughs> doesn't make sense for them to be that low because when you want to now transition to the next part of the kata, if you're that low, transition is not going to be great. Your balance is going to be out. You're not going to be engaging your hip for that extra power. Um, it's also looking at the person and realizing that they understand themselves. Um, when, when they're performing the kata, we, we've, we've all got our strengths and, and weaknesses. And we need to adapt what we're doing to maximize what we have and what we can do. So sometimes a person's foot might be in a position that is not, not the way it should be. But now hang on, it should be for them because they've got a knee problem, got one leg shorter than the other, they've got a hip problem, or they've just got very stiff hips and that's what they were born with and they cannot do so therefore, you've got to make those adjustments. Um, so yes, if I'm looking at a person who does martial arts and watching them perform kata, that would be my take. Um, and 
just something else that I find really important. I've had students who parents have moved and um, they can no longer get to my dojo and they're saying to me, oh, who can you recommend? Now, there is absolutely no way I know every single um, martial arts instructor in New Zealand. It's just not possible. My recommendation is go and watch the class. Watch how the sensei talks to the students. Watch how the student talks to the sensei. Watch the enjoyment on the children's faces and see how much they love being there and the relationship they have with their sensei. And the same thing with, with the older students and the adults. What is important is how they are spoken to, how they are taught, and how the student reacts to them. To me, that makes a really good dojo, um, a good place to be, a safe place to be. And very likely, you will learn a quality martial arts. And then, yes, sure, go and have a look and see who they affiliated to, who graded them, etc., etc. But for me, first and foremost, just watch your class. See the interaction. Don't just watch the class. Watch their interaction. Watch how the, they treat each other. Watch the interaction between the seniors and the juniors, whether they're junior in age or junior in belt levels. Well, well, I, I, I think um, getting students to make eye contact is an important self-development, actually. Um, you know, you, you get the student who arrives in, in your dojo with no confidence. That, that takes a lot of work, and that's something that I try and, try and um, specialize in, even in my classroom as a classroom teacher. The child who doesn't want to get up there and talk to the class, the child who doesn't look you in the eye, the child who tries to disappear into the background. Um, I've also learned over the years, don't make them come forward, not, not in the beginning. If you go grab them and say, come now, no, it's, it's not going to work. It's a long journey and a long process to develop that child. All that adult. You're a triple threat in that regard because, I mean, you're a trained school teacher. Um, you've had to learn something which is quite you know, intricate and you know, deceivingly intricate in terms of the martial arts. Um, so let me ask you a question. I do want to, I've got some other subjects I wouldn't mind hitting, but so I guess yeah. whilst we're talking about um, education and children and, and the focus of karate, um mm. Let's say you have a student who comes to you for a year. Um, they are coming, perhaps there's a level of a social anxiety. Um, they're very shy, they're very shy children, our child, rather, and um, perhaps not great at socializing with other kids, um, has some issues in terms of not being able to make the eye contact that I was um, that I thought that I was joking about. Um, mm -hmm. So you know you have them for a year. What would be the focus for you as a sensor and for your, I guess, you, you other um, instructors? What would be the focus for that child knowing you only have them for a year? What would be the benchmarks of, of a year not wasted? Okay, so um, it's, it's quite a difficult one because you first of all got to get the trust. So you've got to build a relationship with that child. Um, so what I first of all do is find something I can connect with. 
Um, and sometimes I have to pretend that I'm interested in stuff I haven't a clue about. It often ends up being cars. <laughs> I have a kid who's passionate about cars and I know nothing about cars, but I'll go hop onto Google and I will develop a little bit of knowledge around that so that I can communicate with the child. And the minute they open up and start talking to you, that is when you can start working with them. So I've found that you've got very little to no hope of making a breakthrough until you've got that connection. And I do that with the senseis and senpais in my dojo as well. Uh, you know, the good old senpai kohai relationship. That is such, such an important, special connection. And when I see it developing, I will go to that senpai or that sensei and I will chat to them and help them grow that relationship because they could possibly have an incredible breakthrough with that person. So that's the first thing is to build the trust. Then the second thing is um, you can play games, eye contact games. Um, just um, look at me, look surprised. Look at me, look cross. Look at yeah. You know, so just looking games that 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 works wonderfully. Um, then you play games where you're in a group, um, and you've got to remember the number of each person, and then you say one in the center. Look at number three, and they've got a dot. Stare at number three. Glare at number three. Make number three laugh. You know that that sort of thing. Now do it to number two. That's that sort of thing. So it's forcing the eye the eye contact. That would just be the initial stages. And then eventually you get to a point where you actually can say to that child or person, um, I can see that you don't like being in the front. I can see that you, you feel shy. I can see that you're nervous. You, 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 you acknowledge it because you've built that relationship and, and they trust you. And then I would say to them, I'd like to help you overcome that. And I even say to them, you probably don't want to. You're probably looking at me going, no, 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 just leave me alone. And I, and I say to them, that's okay. That's okay. I'm, I'm going to do my best not to put you in a situation that you don't want to be in. But the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is to stand next to me when I see a good technique and ask you to stand next to me. And while the dojo is doing it, you're going to do it as well. And I will then single them up. They did great maigiris. So and so's done great maigiris. Come stand next to me. Let's do maigiris again, watching whomever. And so eventually, and then it leads to counting in the dojo. Then it leads to demonstrating something. And eventually, it, it builds their confidence. There are some people who will never get there. But I think it's important that they build that self-esteem and that confidence that I can and that I am good at something and that I am achieving. Um, for me and people in life, I think that is the most important thing you can give to anyone is the confidence and the self-belief. Everybody needs to be really good at something. Not everybody can be academics. Not everybody can be a swimmer. Not everybody can be a runner. But everybody can be good at something. There's social intelligence. There's emotional intelligence. Um, and you need to try and find that in each person and try and help them bring that out. 